0: Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? This is called pilot radio. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch, swing it a drive, deep left field, going, going. You know the difference between justice and punishment? I swear to God. I swear to me. You
1: are unwise to the no at all, right? Even shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. You can't answer this. It's Nope. Red alert. All hands come out and it. This is called pilot radio. This
0: is called pilot radio.
1: Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. We're going back to the original format, uh, where it's me and Steve together. But as you guys have been noticing, we now have got the GGR Pirate Radio Network. Uh, Steve's got his own, po- uh, his own solo podcast that he calls Educated Guesses. I have my own solo podcast as well, which we call Mike on the Mic. Uh, my name is Mike Lunsford. I'm the editor-in-chief of GGR. Uh, let me give you our web address, www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, with us today as I just mentioned is uh, is Steve Monick. Steve, say hello to the fine folks.
0: Hello to the fine folks. How you doing out there? Like Mike said, we're getting back to the classic pirate radio format, the back and forth between these two knuckleheads about some nonsense you probably don't care about.
1: <laughs> All right, but we've got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about today. I think today's going to be a, a lot of fun. Just a little bit. I mean, like, I don't know what it's like for you, Steve, uh, right now up there in uh, in Pennsylvania. But here in Virginia, it is miserably hot. It has finally gotten into the nineties. It is officially summertime now, and I was we had somehow like skirted that up to this point. It had just been really, really nice. Like the weather had been really, really mild for the majority of it. But now it's like summer's like, no, we're here. I don't care. You're gonna sweat. It's gonna be gross, and it's gonna be humid.
0: Yeah, our weather patterns are about the same as yours. We're about five to ten degrees cooler, uh, which is helpful in these months, but not so much in the winter. It definitely is ramped up, but it's not unbearable. It's still fun to walk outside or can go to a Buccos game or whatever.
1: Yeah, here it's like it's like walking into a sponge. It's just it's ninety five degrees, ninety five percent humidity. It's like it's gross.
0: Like two summers ago, when I moved down there, they had this like heat wave. I moved in in July. Is like triple digits, and I was like, why did I do this? What decision did I make?
1: I knew I was moving to Virginia. I didn't realize I was moving closer to the sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. But we, um, one of the things that I wanted to start off talking about, um, I was, we, we've talked about movies. We've talked about video games. We've talked about sports, which, I mean, we love all these things. That's part of what GGR is all about. But the one thing that we really haven't touched on much of yet is we haven't really talked about television at all.
0: Uh, and that's a big topic we should have hit on a while ago. It's a big oversight on our, our part, I
1: think. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, let's let's take care of that today, Steve. We we're going to talk about uh, TV shows. We're going to talk about um, our favorite TV shows. I mean, I've got a list. I don't really have a set number. I just kind of listed the ones that were my favorite ones uh, growing up and favorite ones uh, today. But then also, too, um, I was talking to my wife, and she gave me a couple of ones that, um, that she liked as well. Um, I've got some recent ones that I saw that are just either amazing or um, just definitely worth noting. But then we also wanted to talk about the ones that are the most overrated shows that you've seen. Um, and then on the flip side, the underrated, like the ones that that should have gotten another season, should have gotten a couple of seasons. But back to the overrated ones, the ones that you just – you don't get. Why is everybody into this pile of garbage? Why is everybody thinking that this movie or, – or movie – that this TV show is so – Fantastic. Um so if you're ready, we can go ahead and get started, Steve. I've got um I wanted to start with my favorites.
0: Yeah, I don't think it'll be quite as structured as the music one that we did when we had our set like top five. It's hard to know because some are comedy, some are serious, some are superhero stuff. Just depends on the mood you're in, I guess. Um I don't like have a set top five or anything.
1: Yeah, I have a little I mean it's a little bit of everything. So like the one that I wanna start off with that I have I mean, my longest standing since I was a kid loved, and that's uh, Saturday Night Live. Now, with Saturday Night Live, I feel like the recent seasons, probably like within the last like five to ten years, not as good. I, I haven't really been as interested. I really don't care. Um, occasionally, I'll watch it. I'll get a chuckle. But it's mostly, like, if it's anything from, like, I want to say, like, 86, 87, 88 until, like, the early 2000s, like 2005, 2006, 2007. I, I can watch it, and I can enjoy it, and I can laugh my butt off. Like, it's it's your your Phil Hartman, your Dana Carvey, your Mike Myers, uh, Chris Farley. Um, you start getting Tracy Morgan in there. You start getting David, David Spade and Sandler. Those guys are great. Uh, Tina Fey was, was hilarious. Amy Poehler. Um, you, you just can't go wrong with this show, and it's one of those ones that you can pick up, and it's just hilarious at any time. Especially yeah. in that, like, little clump right there.
0: In my high school years, the best of SNL, like, DVDs were a staple of me and my friends. Uh, we'd sit down and just lose our minds watching old, uh, like, these Chris Farley clips or Will Ferrell bits or whatever. <laughs> we would just die laughing and quoting those kinds of things. One thing I have to pick your brain on, have you seen those uh, new KFC ads?
1: Oh, with, um, with Daryl Hammond as, as Colonel Sanders.
0: Yeah, basically to me, it seems like he's doing the same voice uh, Dana Carvey did when he was H-Ross Pro in the early 90s. It's the same freaking thing. Uh, it's blowing my mind every time I see those commercials. I cannot think that. Yeah. Uh, SNL has been on my brain lately, too.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because like, i gotta I got to tell a little anecdote about uh, about Colonel Sanders. Um, you've, you've met my son, Jax, and he's actually uh, popped on the, the podcast a couple times. Uh, he's now our, our voiceover expert when it comes to uh, anything for the podcast. But um, he saw that video. He saw that commercial with Colonel Sanders in it. And he was just like, Dad, isn't Colonel Sanders dead? And I was like, yeah, Colonel, Colonel Sanders passed away a, a long time ago. And he goes, why is he in this commercial? And I was like, well, buddy, it's, it's just a guy dressed as Colonel Sanders. He's like, I don't like this. This is not good. He's dead. They shouldn't be doing this. He was very upset about this. This was not a good thing in his opinion. Like, it was wow. it was very funny that how upset he got about it. But, like, he was not amused. He was like, this is not cool. No, you shouldn't be doing this.
0: There is black and white. You're either dead or you're on TV selling chicken. There is no in between.
1: <laughs> he, was, he was just very upset about it. He was like, this is not cool. I do not <laughs> like
0: this. Uh, my first one I'm going to list, uh, keeping the same vein of comedy, I have been a Family Guy fan since day one, Uh, since literally like middle school from season one. I remember watching it right after Super Bowl uh, that one year. Uh, Like I've been watching it through all its various cancellations. I grew up watching The Simpsons and it's not like I'm one of those people you think like you have to pick one or the other. Uh, It's not like a Star Wars or Star Trek thing where people are like, no, you can only like one of them. You can't like them both. Um, I grew up watching The Simpsons. I think The Simpsons, it's like Family Guy's, like The Simpsons of our generation. Uh, the Simpsons, the majority of the good stuff was on and airing when I was a little too young to get the majority of the jokes. Um, family Guy hit at a time where it was just perfect for my age group, and you know, I've been a fan ever since. Let me um, ask
1: you about that, too, um, because it was a really interesting perspective that I saw from a lot of people. Um, about Family Guy because this is this is kind of the way that I feel. I mean, I I loved it too. Like I was in high school and we're only a few years apart, so I was catching it like like tenth grade, eleventh grade when I was in high, uh, high school. And the first few seasons were amazing. Like they were they were funny. They were out there. They were sh- strange. That at the same time too, there were episodes like the one where Brian ends up. Um, Having to do community service, I can't remember why, but he ends up meeting that old shut-in, and she turns out to be this amazing opera singer, and they fall in love. That actually ended up winning an Emmy for like not just because oh man it was so funny, because it was incredibly well written, and because it was um incredibly touching. Like the show was amazing, and then they ended up Fox ended up canceling it, and they ended up reviving it because DVD sales were so incredible. But at the same time too, I felt like once it came back, it was not the same.
0: Basically season four that second revival after the dvd sales um the the first uh episode of the season is north by north quahog they make a joke like oh i guess for one of these fox shows it's been canceled and they list like 70 fox shows that have been canceled or whatever
1: listed off all the other shows yeah
0: <laughs> uh, a lot of people think the series went downhill from there because it took a much more like i don't want to say fast-paced uh, I don't know a better term for it, but like they keep getting bigger and bigger and like find to be the case with almost any show. It doesn't matter any kind of comedy, anything like that. It gets more and more ridiculous. You look at how I met your mother. You look at friends. You'll get pretty much anything. There are a few exceptions like Seinfeld. Um, but uh, to keep the fans for what they expected of the show, uh, you have to get bigger and weirder and crazier and eventually, you have plot lines. Like when you compare season nine to season one, you go, these aren't even the same people. They, they don't even live in the same universe anymore. Um, yeah. I felt like Family Guy fell victim to that just like everyone else. Uh, you have to go bigger, more extreme. You have to go, like, you know, dirtier with the jokes and crazier with the jokes because you have to top what you've already done. And then, like, when you compare season seven of Family Guy to season one, it doesn't even seem like the same group of people or like the same show.
1: Yeah, it's like evolved beyond that, and like actually, you mentioned Seinfeld. Um, my my wife and I uh, are both huge fans of Seinfeld, and we talk about that in the sense that like the first few seasons of that show were were great. Like the first season, you got to get introduced to the characters, and then it hits a straw. Strong- all good series start off. Their first few seasons are pretty good. They hit this stride in the middle where they're just unreal. Everything is hilarious. Everything's fantastic. But then they hit this downward curve towards the end, where like with Seinfeld, it started being all like Kramer centric and like ridiculous stuff that like. Nobody would really even be interested in. All of a sudden, you have to have a story focusing on every single character. You got to have something about uh, Kramer. You got to have something about Elaine. You got to have something about George and Jerry. It just got old. And the only thing that bummed me out about Seinfeld was towards the end, Seinfeld himself kind of got pompous. And he even said to people, when they were like, oh, well, you know, we don't want you to stop the show. We want you to keep going when you can keep going. He was just like, oh, well, it's like being a parent to a child. You have to let them know when enough is enough. And you were just like, okay, Jerry. Um, Thanks, man, like for calling me a child. Like it was, it was a bit much, but yeah, like Seinfeld is definitely on my list. Like they're, they hit that stride. I want to say like season three through like season six, where it's just like, just balls to the wall. Hilarious.
0: Yeah, it seems like every show has that money season, and usually in my experience, it's season two or three. Because, uh, like you said, season one, it's almost like in a, like a superhero movie. That's the origin story. That's when you need for the the setup. And there's usually some good stories, but that's where it takes to get like invested in the characters. Season two or three, all the legwork is done, so you can just dive right into the heart of the story. And that's when you get really like deep level of the characters, and that usually ends up being the best season. Uh, and I can probably imagine without even consciously thinking about it. Now, uh, probably every show on my list is probably like that, where season two or three is definitively the best season, by both like critics
1: and fans. Yeah, um, you know, you had mentioned a uh, an animated series. I wanted to a- mention one now too. Um, we talked about the Simpsons. The Simpsons is kind of like for our generation. The Simpsons is kind of like I Love Lucy, or you know, or more. Appropriate comparison to Flintstones It's like the base of everything Like it opened the door For everything else and an, a perfect example Is the same creator uh, Matt Groening, Futurama Futurama is on my list big time Their first season was, was pretty good Um And then it just hit a stride there in like season two, season three, season four, season five, where it was just fantastic. Just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Again, and it it, it did the same thing that um, Family Guy did where there's hilarious episodes, but there's also episodes that are very, very touching, Um, like where the one Fry uh, finds out that his brother uh, ended up naming his son, uh, after Fry went missing, um, named his son Philip J. Fry and was the first person on Mars. Like that was one of the most touching episodes I've ever seen.
0: For a second, I thought you were going to say that episode where he finds his dog. And I would have had to stop you right there because there's no way we were talking about that episode. Like, that's one that's, no. Uh, but the nice thing about Futurama is it's uh, one of those animated comedies that doesn't age. Like, I love, like we were talking about uh, the Simpsons family, got that stuff. Like, the early season, Bart's trying to get an NES game that's too violent or whatever. And then in laser seasons, they have, like, iPhones or whatever. They have to progress with the times, and I get that. But Future Armor is already set in the future, so they can keep everything uniform and consistent. So if you watch an episode when it first came out or you put one on this week, it's still equally funny because you're in this weird world that's unlike your own. It doesn't really age. Like It holds up better than almost any animated comedy I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you got next on your list, Steve?
0: Uh, yeah, kind of getting away from the comedy side of things, a show I that absolutely enraptured me, and I could not stop watching it, was Lost. Uh, when it was out, I, I absolutely became enthralled with that show. Uh, my, my dad and my brother were on a little vacation, just the two of them. So me and my mom were hanging out, and was like, hey, do you want to start watching the show Lost? Uh, and I'm going to date myself here. Uh, so I went to Blockbuster, and I rented the entire first season on DVD, and we, like, marathoned it. Uh, we weren't going to bed until like three in the morning because we kept going, well, maybe just one more episode, like one more, and then, and then it's bedtime. And before we knew it, we had watched season one. And this was like pre-Netflix days. <laughs> I mean, like everyone does this now. Uh, but we were like just pounded through the first two seasons. Uh, and then for Christmas, I bought her season two and three. Uh, and then season four, five, and six, we watched on TV. And there is nothing more aggravating than marathoning a show halfway through and then have to wait week to week, and month to month to see how it all ends. Uh, but oh boy, that show, uh, just like the the mysteries, the plot, the dialogue, the characters, that show, it was a game changer for me.
1: That's one of those shows that I got into big time. And I watched up until, I can't remember what season it was, but I can tell you I've seen, and you'll tell me because I know you're like the lost expert of the, of the two of us. Um, it was the episode where The Hobbit, ends up drowning but he puts the message on his hand that tells um what's his name i, I just lost his name is it desmond, desmond. It's the, it's yeah the he puts the message on there, on there and he's like it's not period. penny's yeah. boat and i was just like what and then the episode actually ends in the future with jack and kate off the island and i was like you've got to be kidding me like Maybe and i never watched works. any of the episodes after that and i can't remember why but like I I loved it. I just I never got around to it. It's just one of those things like, you know, I write those Frank Landau AARs. I need to go back and watch the rest of Lost and finish that up.
0: Yeah, it's all on Netflix, I believe. Uh now I will say, I mean, and most fans, if you read the stuff online, like season five and six were tough. Uh they did not and again back to what we were talking about like before season two, where they were going into the hatch and they met Desmond and all this stuff that's some of the best television I think I've ever that, that's ever existed it, it was just incredible season 5 and 6 do not live up to that caliber but, but the bar was set so high I don't know what story or what they could have done that would live up to it anyway um, and I don't really want to get your hopes up too much uh, but I enjoyed it I found it to be entertaining um, I've always been one who loves resolution like a favorite for me in a trilogy of movies is almost always the third one because I love watching how things wrap up I mean, it's, I mean, it's just my bias
1: yeah i mean and with that too you also have to take into consideration that um lost suffered from the same problem that nip tuck did and i loved nip tuck nip tuck's definitely on my list uh the first i want to say was like three or four seasons were just fantastic of that show but they both were came they both came out at the same time uh and they suffered from that big writer's strike that happened they ended up having to stop the series for both of those and then come back and try to finish them. Nip-Tuck never never survived. It just never was able to accomplish what it had been able to accomplish before. So you never got that same level of great television. Now, Lost didn't suffer from the same thing, uh, fortunately. But um, overall, yeah, I mean, that that affected a lot. And that actually kind of ties in with... um, And we'll come back to this in just a second to the rest of our, our top... TV shows. But that ties in with one of the things that I can't stand with television right now, and that's reality TV. Because of that writer's strike, this is when it really got started. This is like when you see the you know the Kardashians, you know, that those those shows about the gypsies, uh, the Duggars who thank God they're (laughs) off the air. But like all of this reality TV started when the writer's strike happened. Uh, because you don't have to have writers for reality TV. And if you do, it's just like, oh, well, make sure that, you know, Chloe is mad at Kim because Kim got butt implants or and it's very simple. But also, too, it, it's I think it's horrible television. And it's I think it's making a lot of money off of something that really shouldn't be focused on because everybody's like, oh, this. Oh, it's so real. They're just like us. No, they're they're staged to look just like you. Yeah, and, and that's some, what just drives me nuts.
0: There's some, I don't want to say disturbing, but there's some things that are coming in like, as a result of reality TV that isn't necessarily good. Uh, there have been some polls that are out there saying that kids, they're like 10 to 12 or whatever, uh, that for the first time ever when they're asked what they want to be in the future, they're just saying famous. They, like, they aren't saying doctors or lawyers. They're just saying they want to be famous. And there's no doubt in my mind that the level of celebrity, for the sake of celebrity, has caused that. I, I agree wholeheartedly with the reality TV thing, but there are some sh- reality shows I do like uh, which end up being either like competitions or something constructive you know, or destructive if you want to count mythbusters. Uh, like technically a show like how it's made on Science Channel's reality show it just goes into factories and shows how stuff's made but I, like I'm mesmerized by it. I, I could be it could be the stupidest thing in the world. It's like how cardboard boxes are made and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing.
1: We had Um, Sandy, Sandy and I, Sandy and I rip on that show all the time because it seems like such a cool concept, but it's always like the most boring things they're making and we never watch it for that reason. It's just like how it's made chalk and you're like, no, it ends up being amazing.
0: I, I was watching one on aluminum foil and they take these huge ingots of aluminum, and they're like tons and tons and smash it and pack it down into foil and you think like, I don't give a crap about aluminum foil, but it ends up being incredible. Uh, that's the kind of stuff. Like, I love Shark Tank.
1: Oh, I God, that I love I love Shark Tank. We have, like, half the products that are on that show are in my house right now. Huh. Like, we have this, like, all-natural pancake mix uh, called um, Kodiak Cakes, and that-, that was on Shark Tank. Like, yeah, we, see- no, we just sit there and we watch it, and we're like, wow, this is amazing, or I can't believe this doofus is up there telling us about his ridiculous product that he has. I have this awesome belt called a mission belt, which it's like taking a zip tie. You know how like a zip tie clicks into place? Yep. It's like that on your belt, and you can release it with a little button. It's the greatest thing for fat guys ever. <laughs> and, it's it's yeah. terrific.
0: And there's like nothing more polarizing than that show. Uh, there's one lady that went on there, and she basically made a pillow for a woman with large breasts so they could lay on their stomach like it even everything out so they could lay flat. And I'm sitting there like, okay, obviously it's not a product for me. I don't really care about it. My fiance was livid. She was like, that is the stupidest thing ever. And she was like so upset about it. I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize a stupid boob pillow was something to get mad about. But those are kind of reality shows I like watching because you can have a conversation. Uh, You can talk about something more than something that won't matter two seconds later. Like a show you mentioned, like Real Housewives or Kardashians or whatever. They're just time wasters.
1: It makes me want to just bash my head into the wall. Um, exactly. Another exactly. another show, and we'll we'll kind of tie this in. We'll 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 get on our hate list here for just a second. Um, I can't stand Glee at all. I have never watched an episode of this show because I don't need to see an episode of this show, and. I'll tell you what completely turned me off of it. Because, like, I, I, you know, when I was in high school, I did television production. um, But I also played, you know, football. I wrestled, you know, um, played baseball, things like that. But then I also did, like, drama club and stuff like that, too. And all of my friends who were in the drama club were like, oh, my God, Glee is, like, what we did in high school. And I was like, no, no, not really. But, uh, okay, if you say so. And it really turned me off when the show creator. First off, the guy who created it is the same guy who created Nip Tuck. And he stopped working on Nip Tuck to work on this piece of crap. And at one point, when um, Kings of Leon... Remember when they were, like, like cool for, like, 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, (laughs) He asked the guys, Kings of Leon, he's like, I want to use your songs on Glee. And they were like, um, no. We're not interested, thanks, bro. And he flipped out. He was like, oh, you guys are a bunch of punks. You guys are a bunch of spoiled brats. Blah, 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 this and blah, blah, that. And you know how much I love Dave Grohl um, and the Foo Fighters. Grohl came to the defense of Kings of Leon and put this dude in his place. And he was like, who the F do you think you are? He's like, this is our music. This is our livelihood. This is our soul. This is our blood, sweat, and tears. And you want to just have some cute girl sing a little song of it? Well, it's my stuff. And I said no. And I'm not interested. And then the guy had the nerve to like try to come back on Grohl and was just like, well, we didn't ask you for your music, and uh, we're not interested in your old man rock. And Roll came back, and he's like, It's funny, because I just got the email that you sent to my agent asking to use our songs and how much you love them. So which one is it? Like, he just completely put the guy in his place, and it was fantastic.
0: The thing about a show like that for me, too, is, like, anything that has an agenda, and, and I don't care what the agenda is, and that one seemed to happen to be about, you know, outsiders, the ostracized kids of school coming together because they were all picked on or whatever. Uh, but anything that has an agenda like crams it down your throat like for me i want to watch entertainment i want to get away from that kind of stuff i want to watch lost i want to watch whatever like doesn't hit me over the head with the same message every single episode oh it's okay to be different and, and that's great sentiment and all but that's not what i'm looking for when i sit down after work i only have so much free time i'm not gonna waste it on hearing the same message for how many ever seasons that show
1: ran for so a show that um, both my wife and I agree uh, is just horribly overrated. And it stinks too, because Hugh Laurie, um, obviously we're talking about the house. Uh, Hugh Laurie is an incredible actor. He's very entertaining. Um, and he has his moments on that show, but I just, I think it's, it just beats you over the head with a message of, Oh, Dr. House is. Rebel. Oh, he doesn't follow the rules. And it just got really old and really stale. And like, If you jump into that show, like, I'm a big believer you should be able to watch any episode of any show at any time and not have to go back and binge-watch six seasons of it just to understand what's going on. And Lost is a perfect example. Well, okay, hey, what's going on? This is season five. Oh, yeah, that guy, they all crashed on this uh, uh, island like three years ago uh, in a plane crash. Ooh, okay, well, what's this guy's story? Oh, yeah, well, uh, he can see into the future. Oh, okay, cool. Like, you're you're already caught up. But House, you're like, you have to get all of this backstory to get it. And when Family Guy can sit there and nail you like to the wall with a, with a critique that says a lot. Like there's that episode where house is a Lois's doctor and Peter's holding the rule book. And he's like, aren't you Dr. House? You don't follow the rules. And house grabs the rule book and he throws it out the window and he goes, get that out of here. And Peter's like, but how are you know, how are you going to know what the rules are to break? If you don't know what the rules are. And they kept looking at the screen and going house, house, ooh, house. Like that's how I felt that show was it was just like it it kept trying to impress everybody with how much of a rebel he was
0: i am 99 percent sure that episode was titled welcome back carter and lois's dad had a stroke and then peter ends up taking over carter's company
1: i think yeah i think you're right yeah but like (laughs) i have a problem (laughs) um yeah i can't stand that show oh my god i can't stand the big bang theory
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely one that made my list. And the reason being I feel like anyone who's been a nerd or geek their whole life, like that's not really the show for them. Like the jokes are written up like I've heard geeks say that kind of stuff before, and it's really for like average people. I don't think it's really for people who are into the stuff the characters in the show are into. Like it seems like it's pandering to nerds.
1: Well and like I when I worked at GameStop, a lot of the guys that I worked with were like, Oh my god, I love the Bing Bang Theory and I'm like, Aren't you insulted? I was like, you're a geek. You're a nerd. They're basically making fun of you, and you're laughing at it. I was like, that's, I just, I, I can't get it. And like, I put up on Facebook, and I told the guys, who, whoever had the best comments, I was going to uh, mention them on the podcast. But um, my wife, actually, Sandy, um, put, it, put a picture of, I guess it's Leonard, and it's a meme, and it says, I would find this funny, but it's the Big Bang Theory. Um, and I thought that was pretty de- uh, dead on. But Andy, uh, one of our writers, Andy Barch um made a really really good comment and he said um i love the big bang Theory, but i can totally get why somebody wouldn't and i said well why is that he said the jokes are terrible the characters are insanely annoying there's no real plot or character art in fact i have no idea why i actually like this show so it's like
0: (laughs) it's like well i started liking this show and it would be inconvenient to stop now
1: yeah well i can't just turn my tv off or change the channel that would be too hard um but yeah, I had a few other people that mentioned that they really, really liked it. Um, a cousin of mine, um, uh, Teddy Freeband, he lives out in uh, Arizona, but he was saying that he liked it because for for him, most of the time, watching TV, like, if something's funny, he'll just smile, you know? And But he said that the Big Bang Theory has caused me to best out laughing more than any other show I've seen. He said, it's my favorite comedy since Seinfeld. And, like... It's just like anything else. You know, it's it's whatever your taste is at the time, you know. Some of the shows that I'm in some other people probably think are, are stupid or are not funny, and that's fine. It's to each their own. And um, that kind of ties into the next couple of shows that I want to go to. And these are all going to be we're going to go back to the ones that we actually like here. Um, I have 3 in a row, actually 4 in a row. Wow. 4 in a row that are FX series. Because I think that FX just does incredible television. First one in the a- it's, it's easily one of my favorite shows of all time, and that's the Shield. The Shield with Michael checklist. it was just phenomenal. Such so a great show, time. It told a great story. Um, and another one that just recently ended—just um, this season was Justified. Justified, fantastic. I mean, a different. It's another top drama. I mean, as, as you can see, you know, I love those. Um, but a completely different style of story. This is more kind of like um, Deputy Raylan Givens. He's kind of the old style, like shoot first, ask questions later kind of cowboy type. Great series. Uh, They just did. They're working on another season of it. Um, But the first season was incredible, and that was Fargo. Fargo was unreal. How how good it was! Like that dark comedy, just like the movie, where like it really shouldn't be funny and you shouldn't be laughing at what happened, but you end up laughing anyways. Um, And then another one that it got one season. It was a fantastic season. It's amazing. If you haven't watched it, you need to find a way to get this show and watch it. It's called Terriers. Featuring Donald Logue, it is unbelievable. It is so good, and they didn't renew it for a second season. And I was just like devastated because they leave you on this cliffhanger at the end of season one. So if you get a chance, definitely check out Terriers. But all the rest of those shows, The Shield, Justified, Fargo, you can find all of those easily on DVD or Blu-ray. I think some of them are actually even on. You can go on FXNow.com and view them on there.
0: That network has been doing some amazing things as far as like quality of shows. And for me, another network that's absolutely nailing it is AMC. Yeah. Um, uh, You have to like dialogue. You have to like heavy characterization to enjoy the shows. But Mad Men, The Walking Dead, and Breaking Bad, all three of those shows are unbelievable. Uh, There are very few shows for me that I will watch through the entire season more than once, like the entire series. But all three of those shows actually make that shortlist for me.
1: Yeah, those those are all great. One that's a little older... Um, but it came at, like, a perfect time for me because I had just joined the Army um, and HBO started sh- uh, showing Band of Brothers. Oh, and yeah. I ended up watching that entire series from start to finish, and it was phenomenal. It was so good. And it was just crazy that, like, it's a World War II story but at the time i mean it was was 2001 2002 2003 a lot of the things that they were encountering was the same stuff that we were dealing with too um so it was just a very like hard-hitting um close to home kind of kind of series but just overall just such a well-done uh series
0: that was a a tom hanks production right
1: it was yeah tom tom hanks and spielberg actually they both worked on that one together
0: and they had like uh, i don't want to say like a sequel but they did one for the pacific correct
1: they did yeah i never i never watched that one specifically um but, yeah, that one was really, really good, too. Um, you know, one that you mentioned, a, a, a series that you can watch uh, all the way through and never really get tired of it, it it's, in, it's on syndication, every single channel. It's on, like, nine different channels, um, and that's Friends. Oh. I can watch any episode of Friends at any time and still laugh. Like, there, there are things that we still joke like we always joke that if we ever got a uh, a pet penguin which is completely ridiculous that his name would be pete chicago based on what joey said um like half of our like we just make jokes about it all the time um it's just one of those ones that's like completely ingrained in uh society but also like for for my family specifically we all absolutely love friends
0: yeah it's ubiquitous for my family and my fiance's family as well uh i mean my fiance she even has the whole Ten season box set, and I think the the fact that I can make Chandler references is half the reason she agreed to marry me in the first place. Uh, <laughs> I 100% agree on that show. There are some people who have some criticisms, and I think it's one of the best sitcoms ever made. I mean, it's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know how. Where could you criticize that show? What, what's wrong with? I can't think of anything that was wrong with Friends. I mean, it suffered from the same thing that every TV series does: was towards the end, your characters start kind of changing who they are. Like, the one, the one episode that bothers me the most is the one where um, Sting's child goes to school with Ben, Ross's son. And Phoebe, like, totally freaks out and acts like a total jerk and, like, pretends to be Ben's mom so she can get tickets to Sting's concert. And I felt like that was really out of character for Phoebe because she was, like, the hippie and, like, it, it was just very materialistic for her when she was never really like that before, but... I guess they. I guess it was more believable for her to do it than like Chandler or something. I don't know.
0: And certain little things, like after Ross and Rachel have Emma, their little baby, she only appears when the plot calls for it.
1: Yeah, where the hell, yeah, where the hell did Emma go?
0: You were the worst parents ever. Oh, by the way, there's a baby we haven't addressed for the last uh, three episodes.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's like two. If you there's certain episodes where it's almost like thrown in as like an aside where it's like somebody brought up to them. Hey, they have a kid. Where the hell is she? And, like, they're just like, oh, she's staying with Ross's parents. Oh, she's staying with Rachel's parents. Like, shouldn't this kid be an integral part of your life? Like, it was the same thing with Ben, though. Ben would disappear for, like, entire seasons. All of a sudden he's, like, all of a sudden he's there and he's the kid from uh, Zack and Cody. Like, it's it's the same thing. Like, it was, it it just, it always rubbed me the wrong way that, like, their kids just kind of get pawned off so that they can go mope around in a coffee shop and drink their big, ridiculous cappuccinos
0: those are like little nitpick things like those are the kind of things that almost any show that runs for more than three seasons is plagued by it's not a big deal friends is still something you can watch to this day uh there are certain things uh that don't age well though like uh the early season where chandler's uh, instant messaging girl ends up being uh, janice again uh and the friends are just like tearing him to shreds for using the internet to talk to someone and you're sitting there like oh my god that is not how things work anymore Uh, like that's the only way that people communicate these days. People don't talk on phones anymore. Uh, and for me, like sometimes those things actually make me laugh more than the jokes in the episode.
1: Absolutely. I'll have to send you this video that I found of Matt LeBlanc. Uh, this is recent too, like maybe a couple of weeks ago, he was on a talk show and one of the people who worked, uh, for the talk show was a huge Friends fan and asked specifically if he would sing two of the songs from Friends. And the two songs he asked him to sing were the one where he was in Freud. You know, the all you want is a dinkle. Yeah. He, he made him sing that one. <laughs> and then he made him sing the uh, when he met um, Thomas Lennon in Las Vegas. Um, and it, it was his hand twin. And he made him sing that song. And LeBlanc couldn't even get through the song without laughing. You know, the this hand is your hand. Yeah. This hand <laughs> is my through. hand. <laughs> no. Wait it's your hand no wait it's my hand. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you because it's it's pretty it's pretty friggin' funny um you know another show and and um, we'll kind of tie this up here and, and kind of end uh, end on this we'll go with um I mean we wouldn't be GGR we wouldn't be geeks if we didn't mention uh, this one and that's Star Trek the Next generation um I feel like that series single-handedly saved that franchise because it was right after um, the movies the movies were really, really successful. 2, 3, and 4 were amazing. They made tons of money. And then Star Trek 5 came out, and it was a total pile of crap. And it was at that time that Star Trek Next Generation, I want to say it was like season 3 or season 4, just like hit its stride and saved the franchise and kept it going. And it's probably the reason why you're getting the new movies now.
0: Yeah, as much as the other series they put out there, like, there's Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and your diehard fans will get behind those. But, like, our family growing up, was, they weren't, like, a huge Star Trek family. Like, my parents watched the original series when it was on growing up, and that was about it. Um, like, we weren't Trekkie family or anything by any means. And, and in the 90s, though, we sat down and watched Next Gen all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent, my mom was, like, totally anti-nerd anything. But my dad was not, so, like, my dad and I got that, Uh, and we would watch uh, Next Generation. And, like, I still remember the first time we saw uh, the two-parter Best of Both Worlds, where Picard gets assimilated and becomes the cutest, and my dad, I remember my dad, like, like jaw dropped. He was like, what? And I was like, this is so cool. Like, we were both, like, nerding out, and it was one of the coolest moments um, that we were both dorky about that show, so...
0: Yeah, I love The Next Generation. Like, out of all of Star Trek anything, that's still the best.
1: I'm I'm kind of partial to the movies, um, but that was just because, I mean, I was a few years older than you. But, again, I mean, I love Next Generation. I still feel like the original series movies were better with the exception of Star Trek First Contact because that one was just amazing. But, yeah, The Next Generation is, is easily up there on my list. Um all right. So as you can see, um, all you listeners out there, we're, we're both big TV fans. We love uh, watching TV shows. Um, but one of the other things, there's there's two shows that I didn't get a chance to mention that I feel are horribly, horribly overrated. Uh, the first one is uh, The Office. Now, Interesting. the problem with The Office with me is I loved the first two seasons. I, I thought they were great. I thought it was well scripted. I, Steve Carell is a genius. Like in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, he's like one of my favorite actors ever that's one of my favorite movies i think he's hilarious but like after the first two seasons it became like a character of its of itself and it was just like fodder for people to use the that's what she said jokes over and over again and i don't know if you've ever run into this before i think we've talked about this where like you like something and then you start talking to other people and you see the kind of people who like what you like too and it ruins it for you it's like if you liked a band and then you're like, oh my God, I love this band. And you talk to somebody else and they're like, oh my God, I love them too. And you're like, but you're a dork and you're <laughs> kind of a jerk and you're kind of a hipster. I don't think I can like this band anymore. That's the way I felt with the office. Like I just couldn't like it anymore after seeing who else liked it too. So
0: like you liked it cause it was your own little dirty little secret. And then when you realized that everyone else in the known universe loved it too, you didn't feel as special anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Another one, and um, I'll, I'll finish finish this one. And then, if you got any more that you want to mention that are overrated, to uh, of course, be my guest. Yeah, yeah. But I think The Sopranos was so overrated. Like, I, I love I, I love mafia stuff. Like, Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies of all time. The Departed is one of my favorite movies. I, I just love anything mafia. But The Sopranos. There was too much ambiguity. Like, it was, you don't know how it ended. And everybody was like, oh, that was so artistic. No, it wasn't. It was a cop-out. Like, end it with something definitive. Did he get shot in that in that uh, cafe at the end? Or did he not get shot? Like, make a decision. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be a pansy. This is a mafia show about murdering people. Like, don't, don't, like, try to play artistic at the end. And then, like, if you ever watch the show, I don't know if you ever got into The Sopranos or not, but, like... There were so many loose ends that never, ever, ever, ever got tied up. Like, for instance, um, there was, at one point, there. I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but, like, there was a Russian mafia guy that they went to go put a hit on, and they took him out into the woods uh, in the snow of Jersey, and he ran off. And they never killed him. And two of your uh, mafiosos were there, like, in the woods, in the snow, and they never tie it up. They're like, "Well, did they find the guy? Did they kill him?" There was just too much out there, and it's it's. I I, I want to def- I want an answer. I want an end. I want something definitive. I don't want this wishy washy crap. And that's what made me mad about that show.
0: I guess. I mean, you and I, for everything on GGR and the stuff we talk about, you and I about I'd say about ninety five percent of the time we're in agreement uh, on what we like, what we don't like, the way we think things should go. But somehow you just picked out two things that we could not be more differing on i absolutely love the office Uh, i mean my fiance recently just watched through the entire season uh or i'm sorry the entire series rather and um i don't know i mean i agree it definitely took a downhill in quality once steve carell left the show um the rest of the cast was Great, and I thought they were funny, and it made me laugh and everything like that. But it definitely took a noticeable dip after he left, and I couldn't care less about mafia stuff in general, like The Sopranos, Godfather, you know, all that kind of stuff. Casino. When I see it's a mafia like movie, that's the first thing where I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't really care at all. So yeah, the, I never, I've never had HBO, and. You know it's mafia stuff, so I certainly didn't go out of my way to find it. So that was one show I've never even actually watched. I don't know the first thing about The Sopranos. So I, it's just funny that you picked like the two things we could not have been like more opposite on when we typically are so one to one. We're usually on the same
1: page. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be let's be honest here, though. If we agreed on everything, this would be a really really boring podcast.
0: So <laughs> the Steve and Mike agree podcast. Yeah, that's yeah just, exactly. Nobody likes welcome
1: that. <laughs> welcome to the we love everything that the other person loves podcast. Yeah. You
0: know what's great? Everything. Let's just hug and be best friends.
1: Don't you love pizza? Yes. <laughs> you know what's even right.
0: better? Two pizzas.
1: <laughs> the Joey special. There you go. Tying it <laughs> <Yeah>. back into <laughs> to friends there. Yeah. Uh, we, we joke about that all the time, too. Like, whenever, if I, like, for instance, if we're going to, uh, like, Wawa, uh, for instance, uh, my wife is like, oh, you have to get me the Sandy special, which is uh, two ice cream sandwiches. So. <laughs> Um, let's talk about underrated shows too because um yeah. because we have our unique tastes in things, a lot of times there are shows that really kind of hit with us that just don't catch on for some reason. And I mentioned one and it was in my like favorites and that's uh, Terriers. Now again, I am going to reiterate this. This show is unbelievably good. Donald Logue plays the lead. It is fantastic. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen, and I was like distraught when they never renewed it. What, um, in what fact, did
0: that like? What channel did that air on when it was like originally on?
1: Oh, it was on FX. It
0: was an FX show. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and i uh, and I have I have it on, um, on on digital. I have a digital copy of it, so I'll have to end up letting you borrow that so you can catch up on it. But um, that's one of that's one of my top ones. Like, why did they end that show? Give, and... give
0: the people a brief like synopsis of of what it's about.
1: All right, so Terriers, um, Donald Logue is a uh, private investigator, and he used to be a cop and he used to be an alcoholic, but he's, he's cleaning his life up. He's getting everything, his life back on track. He's got an ex-wife who, um, unfortunately, is now an ex because of uh, the alcoholism, but he lives in San Diego, and he's got a partner who is a former thief and just, you know, ne'er-do-well in general, just, you know, a uh, former thug, essentially, and they end up uncovering they get hired for like small things like oh my daughter is missing i need you to help her uh, help uh i need your help to find her but then also too it starts becoming a much 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 bigger thing there's a lot more going on than just what seems to be there's a lot of things going on in this area of San Diego that they live in um that is trying to essentially like change the entire landscape i really it's one of those things where i don't want to give i don't want to give too much detail about what happens, because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. It's just, if you... If you enjoy good television, like, funny... I mean, Donald Logue is just on point in this, man. He's hilarious. But also, too, he's like a tragic character, because he, you lost what... You, you see that he loves this woman, that he used to be his wife, and he wants so desperately to get her back, but he can't, because there's just... There's too much bad that happened in their relationship, and... You see this other character, you see his um, his partner, Brick, and Brick is just got this really, really weird relationship with his girlfriend, and he's trying to turn over a new leaf and trying to be a good person. Um, just incredibly well acted, great story, uh, in- interesting. Every single episode is a little bit different, but it all builds to this just incredible uh, climax as you start to see that everything that you've seen so far that you thought was going on in the city turns out it was completely different, so...
0: So you had me until you told me his partner's name was Brick, and I'm just picturing Brick Tamlin from Anchorman, Steve Carell's character. <laughs> so now I'm just picturing, like, true detective, but Brick Tamlin is in it. Like So it's, like, super out of place and hilarious. Uh, so I don't think I can watch it anymore because how could it live up to that nonsense?
1: <laughs> well, there's no way, yeah. You know, like, all of a sudden they're, they're finding all the pieces and they're unraveling a clue, and he's like, he's like Brick, where'd you get that trident? I don't know. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah,
0: um so it kind of sounds like it's one of those shows that's like an onion. Like as soon as like the 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 group un, you know, peels one layer off, like one mystery, there's like another one sitting underneath waiting for them. Is it that kind of show?
1: Yeah, very 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 similar. Like it it starts off with um just like most TV series where you have a couple of episodes that are just kind of like the mystery of the week kind of thing. Mm. And Then it goes back to something that happened in like the first two episodes where it's just like, wait, okay, they're tying all of this together now. Okay, whoa, whoa, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. And um, like at one point he, the house that he's living in is the house that him and his ex-wife lived in together. And he ends up like, she's trying to sell it, uh, but he ends up like buying it and he does some pretty like shady things to to essentially get this house. And it, it. I love when you have somebody that you're rooting for that's a that's a hero, that's a character, and they're not like a goody goody two shoes the entire time. Like they do some things that are less than admirable because it makes it more realistic because not everybody is, you know, essentially Clark Kent their entire life. And it's nice to see that you can still root for somebody and still hope that they succeed, even though they're not, you know, the greatest person in the world at times.
0: That is a perfect segue to one of the shows that I had on my underrated list. Now, technically, it's a show that's going on right now. I mean, it could very well end up going like five or six seasons, but I don't know. It doesn't really get advertised that much. I don't think it's going to go very long. It's a show on USA called Graceland. Um, Oh,
1: oh, 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 that's the one with the, um, it's like the CIA and the FBI agents, and they're all living in that one house, right?
0: Correct. And the, it, the first season, uh, it was fantastic. And it was very much like you were talking about, where this one real goody, goody um, agent is sent in because one of the agents was killed. Um, and he's kind of investigating what's going on at this house because there's some suspicious stuff with drug deals and money and, and things that are going to move around. But it's all part of the stuff they investigate because it's a group of undercover agents all living in the house together. So. Um, it's a good show, and it's very much like a, pr- a cop procedural show. Yeah, um, which you know, I, l- like I, I love. Said, those where there's anyways, kind of so. that case of the week, and they're taking down this guy, but then there's an overarching story as well. Um, and I, you know, without giving any spoilers or anything, talking about some agents who were definitely not doing the right thing and not playing by the the rules, so to speak. Um, that show has it, and I kind of like I said, I get the feeling because you don't see commercials for it. They don't like really talk about it on TV. And I always feel that's a, a hallmark of a show. That's not going to last very long is when they're not yeah. even like advertising their own show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, whenever I'd watch USA, I mean, when psych was on, they'd, they'd you'd see a psych commercial every five minutes. Uh, oh yeah. I never yeah. see commercials for Graceland. So I don't know if it's going to make it. I don't know what kind of ratings it gets, but yeah. I found it extremely enjoyable. My, my soon to be, uh, brother-in-law jeff was the one he originally turned me on to it's a shout out to him because it's a great show
1: yeah i'll have to go back and catch it because i ended up watching a couple of episodes that were pretty interesting like i saw like the the premiere episode and then like you see that there's one agent um who's kind of like your like fly by the seat of your pants he's a loose cannon he's a rogue you can't exactly. trust this guy <laughs> and he's like he's playing like both sides of the, of the table and i was kind of like okay this is interesting And then at one point, your goody-goody-two-shoes guy is running after him, thinking it's like a drug dealer or something like that. And your goody-two-shoes gets knocked out by your other agent. And, like, the agent makes it look like it was all, like, a setup. And I was just like, whoa, okay, I do need to check this out. And I don't know what happened. I never really got... I never went back to it, I never got into it. That's kind of um, the
0: beauty of the way the show's written and stuff is because of the nature of the the agents assignments where they're supposed to be going undercover and they're supposed to be taking down these like drug lords and, and weapons runners and stuff like that. They have yeah. to already kinda of do things that are borderline and then when one of them might be kind of a rogue agent, trying to suss out that person is very difficult because they're all doing things that are somewhat suspicious. They're all doing things that out of context of being a secret agent would be very, you know, much guilty. Basically, yeah. the the guy that you watch on, like, Law & Order SVU or any detective thing that's, like, doing the weird, suspicious stuff, that you go, okay, so it's obviously that guy that, that did it. They're all doing that, so it makes it very difficult to pinpoint who the bad guy is. And yeah. it makes for very exciting television.
1: Yeah, I think that part of the reason why that show never really caught on is because if you look at it from the outsider's perspective... It's kind of like Law and Order SVU meets the real world because it's like all these people living together in a house um, but then oh wait we got to go to work cuz we're FBI agents it just seems like something like little kids would come up with and it's actually based on a true story too from what I, from what I was reading about it
0: Oh see that I didn't even know
1: Yeah so that that, that actually happened like apparently huh. the FBI wanted to have their own real world with FBI agents and CIA agents and everybody working together DEA agents all living in a house and Getting mad at each other because somebody drank all the milk and put it back in the refrigerator with an empty carton. So, <laughs> wow. um, all right, so let's let's talk about another show. Um, I'm on the fence with this one because I feel like you can't really call it underrated when everyone you talk to has said how great it is and why why did it get canceled? And I think I know bah. where this is going. Yeah, and Fox admitted that they were like, Man, we probably shouldn't have canceled this because of how much of a fan base it has, and that's gonna be Firefly. Yep. Um Nathan Fillion, in my opinion, is one of the perfect, like action slash comedy actors. Like he can be he's believable as an action hero, but he's got a really, really good sense of comedic timing. Um he's really good at the um at the deadpan humor. Um, ben and I always joke that if we were ever gonna cast uh Ethan Stone um we we've, we've named a couple of people like John Hamm because you know John Hamm is like dashingly handsome um but also uh Nathan Fillion would make the perfect Ethan Stone because he's funny but he can also be believable in a role of an action hero so
0: i have yet to meet someone who doesn't like him even my mom i mean she watched that show castle that he's on and and she loved that show and everything so i mean like it, he's the kind of actor who spans genres generations of viewers like he just seems to have a general appeal that everybody likes i think that show was just one of those things that was unfortunately ahead of its time
1: yeah you know it's funny that you mentioned castle because and your and your mom liking it because my dad loves castle too like for some reason parents love castle i haven't figured out what that is yet i don't know but like i can't i haven't been able to get into it for some reason like it seems like an interesting idea. He's a writer, but then he's also like a mis- solving mysteries and stuff, which I don't know, makes me kind of feel like Scooby Doo to a certain degree, but um <laughs> I'm sure it's better than Scooby Doo.
0: But I mean, he's been fan cast when that Green Lantern movie was coming out, like everyone wanted him to play Hal Jordan. Yeah. Um I mean, he was in an episode of Lost. I mean, he's he yeah. does the voice of Green Lantern in the animated stuff. He was yeah. even in that uh, was it a Doctor Terrible sing along blog or whatever. I mean, he's yeah. he's had his his hand in, in almost every genre and type of of yeah. film and TV show out there, and it's just because he's money. And the show itself, I mean, it was pretty fantastic. I liked the movie too. Did you see Serenity? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, Serenity. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, and just kind of a tie it in. Um, if you folks, you lovely listeners out there, get a chance to listen. Uh, to this, but then you also want to take a look at some of our articles, www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, click on, uh, it's in the article gallery, but I did a, uh, an article, um, it was all based on The Last Starfighter because they announced that they're going to do a sequel for that one. What? Um, one of the one of the movies that I said needed to get either rebooted or needs to have a sequel was Green Lantern. And I didn't even think of Nathan Fillion because when I heard that um, Hal Jordan was going to be the one they were using as the Green Lantern, I was like, no, it shouldn't be uh, Ryan Reynolds, which, I mean, it's just like the safe, easy choice because chicks love Ryan Reynolds. I always thought that it should be Dennis Quaid because, like, I pictured Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and it being set almost like Captain America, where the first Captain America was set in the 1940s. You get that cool, like, retro vibe to it. Have it in, like, the 1950s, 1960s and have Dennis Quaid play your your test pilot Hal Jordan role. And I thought that that would have been great. Um but then also too, I said that they should reboot it, and we've discussed this a million times. Um, but not only that, somebody tried to take credit for us discussing this at one point—that <laughs> Idris Elba should be uh, John Stewart, yeah—and that I think that he should be John Stewart for the next Green Lantern movie, and that um, Dennis Quaid should, or yeah, Dennis Quaid should be Hal Jordan and just show up as like a cameo real quick. And then I made a joke about how it's really important not to confuse Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid because one's insane and in a Mexican jail, and the other one's you know a, a legitimate actor.
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I saw Independence Day and he seemed to pull off the fighter pilot thing pretty well. <laughs> so maybe, maybe you're, you're going a little short on what Rainy Quaid could bring to the table.
1: Yeah. I mean that and, you know, cousin, uh, what's the cousin's name from, uh, the Christmas from Vacation movie? Vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's, no, the guy was a great actor, but like, have you seriously, have you been keeping up with what's been going on in his life? No, not at all. Okay, so he's, he's married, and, and like on the surface, looking at him and his wife, they look like a regular normal couple. Oh no, you would be horribly wrong, because now at this point, Randy Quaid has grown like this insane Mel Gibson beard, um, and taken that same kind of path that Mel Gibson took, where he started saying some pretty crazy stuff, and like just went off on the deep end, talking about how the government's wrong, and like he's got all the stockpiles of guns, And, like, starts off on this rant, and then all of a sudden his wife shows up in this video, mind you, on YouTube. Shows up wearing something very scantily clad, and the two proceed to take their marital vows to the next level on video. And it's, you're just like, what the hell happened to Randy Quaid? (laughs) Like, it's just, he's just completely gone off the deep end. And his wife is insane, and, like, they got arrested in Mexico, and it's just like... Wow! Like, if you get a chance, take a look at it as soon as you're you're as soon as we're done with this. But also, too, all you folks out there listening, take a look if you don't know what's going on with Randy Quaid because he has lost his mind. I like, do sometimes
0: is... wonder, like people who were stars in like the '80s and '90s, some of like the the borderline people. Like, if yeah. YouTube and the internet and stuff was around then, like, yeah, I, I think it's been under the surface the whole time. It's just they didn't have an outlet for that kind of insanity, and now they do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. If if the internet was around in the '80s, all of a sudden that girl that played the robot from Small Wonder would be on there having a borderline adult video on YouTube. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. We were we were talking about this the other night because Small Wonder was on TV, and we were like, "This show is so bad." Like, she was like poor... a
0: robot in that or something.
1: There was yeah. What it was is like the the premise on that one was, and this is definitely not one of those underrated shows. This is one of those shows that was horrible, and I'm glad it only got like it's, one or two seasons. It's adequately rated. <laughs> it was adequately rated. This one we did right folks. Good job, guys. But, like, what it was is the father, apparently, was this genius inventor. And he has, you know, a wife and a son, but he decides that he wants to invent this robot daughter. And, like, every single stupid, kitschy 1980s joke that you could do is in there. Like, it's just so over the top, and it's so bad. But, like, it's it's one of those shows that you can't help but watch. It's that awful. Like, it's... Ugh, God. That's the kind of premise, like, if they
0: made that show today, he would build her, and she would be, like... 15 years old and it would be on abc family and yeah and it would just be some kind of teen drama about relationships and but she's a yeah. robot
1: or if they put her on cbs she'd be 15 and she'd wear slutty outfits and it would just be lots of people in the audio uh the studio audience going woo.
0: speaking of cbs and overrated i don't want to get into it but two Broke girls is like getting its fourth season is it how really? is that still happening
1: uh, there's there's an answer for that, and there's actually two reasons why that show is getting uh, another season, and that would be Cat Dennings. Those are the two words. That girl and her low cut shirts is what's keeping that show going. Like oh, it's Ugh. that's the only reason that people watch that. It's it's like over the top raunchy humor, which is what CBS has become. Um, I remember um, before my grandmother passed away, um, she would watch um, Two and a Half Men. And um, I'd come in there, and, I, and you know, mind you, like, she, when she passed away, she was in her 90s. So she's like late 80s, sitting uh, uh, on her little recliner chair, just laughing at Charlie Steen's you know, wiener jokes. And like, I'd come in there, I'm like, Grandma, you would like this show? And she's like, yeah, it's so funny. And like, I just couldn't help but like, just sit down and be like, all right, well, let's watch a couple of uh, Charlie, Sheen, Charlie Sheen wiener jokes, and uh, <laughs> we'll call it an evening. Like, it's, that's what CBS has become, and it's so funny because CBS used to be the old people network.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I, I can't remember what me and my fiance were watching or we watching something on CBS, and then Tuber Girls was on after it, and we were just laying there, and I just let it play for, like, 10 minutes because I didn't feel like reaching over for the remote or whatever. And yeah. I just remember thinking, like, my power drill is 10 feet away in my <laughs> closet. I could easily just bore that right into my temple and end this madness. Like, this, <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, that's the way I feel about... um, And we talked about it earlier. That's the way I feel about um, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Like, why do people like this show? Like, it just... It makes me wish I could just bash my head against a wall repeatedly until blood came out of my ears. Like, it's just... It's horrible. Um, But let's go back to uh, underrated shows. Let's go to ones that we absolutely loved. We talked about this and we agreed on this one. uh, Freaks and Geeks.
0: Yeah. And it's... I mean... Yeah. When you look back on it and see... The caliber of actor that was in that show. It, yeah. It's kind of mind boggling that it actually didn't do better. Again, I think just like Firefly, that one was a little. I, mean, I hate to use that phrase because it's so cliche ahead of its time or whatever. I mean, it was not yeah. ahead of its time. It was made at that time for a reason. Um, but I, I just don't think the audience was sophisticated enough to get why that was a good show.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it's. It, but it also has gotten the same treatment that Firefly has gotten that it has you've seen so many people establish how much they love that show that you can't really say it was underrated because it seems like it was rated properly. It just got canceled too early and we never really got to see it develop. But I will say this because it was canceled. The fallout from that developed one of my favorite comedies of all time. And that's forgetting Sarah Marshall, because if that hadn't been canceled, uh, they never would have gone on to make that. Cause that's about, um, the the role played by – um I, know I can think of Veronica Mars. I can't think of her real name right now. Kristen um, Bell. Kristen Bell. Uh, by Kristen Bell was playing the role of um, – she was essentially filling in for um, – why can't I think of her name right now? She was Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies, and mm-hmm. she was on Freaks and Geeks. Let's just call her Velma. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Do you remember her name at all? Not at all. And this is why we have the internet, so I'm going to look this up right now. It's Velma from Scooby-Doo.
0: I love forgetting Sarah Marshall, just as a side note, by the way. like That was my yeah. college movie. We probably watch that every other week. We I love look, that movie,
1: put, movie so much. The part, Marshall, anyway. the part where they're sitting in the ocean, and it's um, it's Russell Brand, and they're, they're sitting there, and they're talking to each other, and he's like, oh, you're a musician. Oh, I heard some of your stuff on Sarah's iPod you're like a gothic Neil Diamond and he looks at him he goes that's exactly what I'm going for like that kills me every single time <laughs> like that scene where they're just floating there and then the scene where um where uh they're in the bar and um I'm just having an awful time with actresses names today but um Jackie from uh that 70s show why can't I remember her name right now <laughs> Kunis. thank you Mila Kunis is like screaming at him to play the vampire, uh, the vampire puppet music. Music. <laughs> she's like, she's like, play the vampire stuff, and like makes him sing that. Like that was that was fantastic. Um, and Linda Linda Cardellini is her name. Linda Cardellini was the name of the actress. Um, who uh, who was in Freaks and Geeks, but was also the motivation for forgetting Sarah Marshall because. That actually had to do like Linda Cardellini was actually dating, and again, I'm just having an awful time with names today. So good, um, Jason, Jason Siegel? Siegel. She was dating da- Jason Siegel, and they broke up because she felt that he was too chubby, and ended up dating like some musician. So without that happening, we would have never had forgetting Sarah Marshall.
0: Huh. I that I did not know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like that's. Exactly. It's one of those things, you know, like it's it, without those horrible things happening, you wouldn't have had these good things happen, too. So, um, yeah. How did you feel about Scrubs? What was your take on that show?
0: That was another one, like in college, we would just marathon the crap out of that. I mean, we'd watch it all the time. Um, we, I actually lived with a guy who looked a lot like Zach Braff, like he went by Scrub, that was his nickname. Um, huh. awesome guy. and. Yeah. We watched a lot of Scrubs, um, but it's one of those shows, like, once me and my group of friends, like, we, you know, we weren't living in college together anymore, like, I haven't watched it since. Yeah. Like, I think it was just kind of a in-the-moment kind of thing. We just all decided, like, oh, we love this. This is the kind of humor we're into. And then exactly. once that moment passed, the show did as well.
1: Yeah, and like, with Scrubs, too, it's it's it was hilarious. It was, I thought, a really unique premise on a tried-and-true Formula, you know the the doctor drama, but to take that whole like it was like Family Guy met met ER, you, like smashed them together. Yep, it got old though after a while. You know, you watch so many seasons of it. I mean, it's it's entertaining, but it just got to a point where it was like, all right, there's really nothing else we can do with this uh, with this premise. Uh, but I loved it. I thought it was canceled too early. Um, but overall, just a, a good show. Um, but actually, that kind of ties it together because the creator of that, and I want to say his name was Bill Lawrence, but he's married to. Um, he was married to Dr. Cox's wife, and I can't. I remember her name was Jordan in the show, but I can't remember her the uh, the actress's name. But she was also on the Drew Carey show. And the yeah, reason I'm bringing this up that. is what because I know her from <laughs> yeah, from Drew Carey. That's another show that I absolutely loved, and I feel like it was so incredibly uh, important to future comedy series, but really not, never got never gets much uh, accolades. And that's the Drew Carey show. I absolutely loved that show. I remember being in middle school when it came out I remember the premiere like the first episode I remember watching that and laughing my butt off and just thinking Drew Carey was like the funniest dude on the face of the planet and now I wear glasses that make me kind of look like Drew Carey so
0: yeah there was a lot of Drew Carey reruns I watched after you know coming home from school and high school and stuff doing my homework watching Drew Carey you know actually singing Cleveland Rocks that's how you know it's a good show when I'm singing that song even though I live in Pittsburgh so I mean that's (laughs) what else do you need to know
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, really good point there. But um, yeah, I think that um, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of great shows out there that just didn't didn't catch on that, that were really really good. Um,
0: yeah, one I one I really liked and uh, I was turned on to by a friend I lived with in college. It was called Legend of the Seeker. Uh, it's a fantasy action TV show. It ran for two seasons. If you like. Hercules with Kevin Sorbo or yeah. you know, Xena Warrior Princess it's definitely in that kind of thing like that's exactly what it feels like uh, it's based on a series of books called The Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind um, now that series is run I mean I think there's like 18 books in the series and obviously the show didn't last anywhere near as long as the book series I think it's still going on I think it's still being written actually um, yeah but it's it, um, like I said if you like those kind of I don't wanna say cheesy, but it's not it's not Lord of the Rings. If, if that's what you're going and expecting, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're looking <laughs> at a step up from Hercules and Xena, yeah that that's a fair expectation to have. And I like the mythos, I like the way it's it's built around, you know, that kind of mythology and they Absolutely. build this world very nicely and, and kind of gradually feed it to you so you, you kind of fall into it instead of expecting you to know a bunch of background. Yeah, um, that absolutely. was the one thing that I think turns a lot of people off of Lord of the Rings is you're kind of expected to know like some stuff or just pretend like some stuff doesn't matter and just go, okay, just focus on what we're telling you right now. The rest of it, you'll, you'll find out.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think, um, I mean, we've, we've done a pretty good job of talking about our, our, our likes our dislikes, um, the overrated and underrated TV shows. I think the one last thing that we should kind of end on, um, here is for all those people out there that are listening. If you could say one show, now whether it's the entire series or whether it's just one episode or maybe it's like a documentary that you saw, one thing that you've seen recently that somebody needs to see that is amazing, that would blow their mind or would just be something that like, they'd be like, man, I'm really, really, really glad that I got a chance to watch that. What would that be?
0: Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, do you have something in mind Why I think?
1: Yeah, actually, I got I got two. So maybe this will kind of help uh, kickstart your, uh, your ideas there. Yeah, go for so, it. We've been talking about it, and Andy wrote a great um, review of it, um, and that's going to be the the Netflix series Daredevil. And we talked about the, the big, the huge announcement, and you just wrote an article about it. Yeah, that uh, the Punisher is going to be in season two, which is freaking awesome. But like that series, I, I really, with most comic book series slash movies, I always take all of the fanboys, and they're like. Adoration for it and take it with a grain of salt. Because I'm like, there's no way it's that good. Daredevil is. Like that second episode where he goes into get that kid, yeah. and he's like beaten up and bloodied, and he's like got a stab wound, he's got broken ribs, and he just mops the floor with those Russian gangsters, and it's one continuous scene. Like it never stops. It's one shot. It just keeps rotating the camera. It was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. And like I'm just completely hooked on this episode. And that jarring ending to I wanna say it was episode four after he um saves the one um mafioso guy uh, and then beats out of him who he works for and the guy ends up I mean you you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give it away for any of you those that haven't seen it yet, but like it is one of the it, it made me jump out of my seat. Like it was so intense. I was like, Oh my God, my son was like, What happened, Dad? I was like, you didn't watch that? He's like, No. I was like, thank you. I'm so glad you didn't see that. Yeah, that's like, it. was. Uh... That's yeah.
0: tough. That's a, that's that's one of the more brutal scenes in the whole the
1: whole series. Yeah, but that series so far has been great. I can't wa- wait to watch the rest of it. Um, but another one, and this is if you've got HBO um, or if you um, work for somebody on GGR, uh, the Great Geek Refuge, and they gave you their password for HBO Go. Um, hint, hint, Steve. Um, hmm. Then you can watch the documentary. It's called Kurt Cobain Montage of Heck. It was unbelievable because I mean, I'm a huge Nirvana fan. I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. Um, but this documentary is produced by um, Francis Bean court Cobain, his daughter. And it shows you videos from when he was a little kid. It shows you artwork that he drew from when he was little. It, it gives you diary entries, things that you never knew about Kurt Cobain. And it, it was, it was phenomenal. It was moving. It was inspiring. But it was just sad in the end because you saw that this incredibly artistic and gifted person was just tormented and haunted by their own demons, and it was just it was it was incredible. And if you've got the time, I mean, definitely sit down and watch it. If you've got HBO, you got HBO. Go on your uh, on your various uh, internet capable devices. Spend some time and watch this. It is it is incredibly good.
0: Yeah, those are some good pulls. Um, one series that I recently watched through. Um, I don't maybe necessarily recommend. I, I've watched the entire Star Wars Clone Wars, that that animated show. Yeah. The one that's on right now, Rebels. Like, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're looking to, uh, and again, canon is is limited right now since Disney kind of hit the reset button on almost everything that's come out in the last thirty years for Star Wars. Um, this series is canon. It's going to follow, you know, the 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 timeline between movies three and four. About the the young Rebel Alliance being formed uh, out of a, a bunch of, of d- different groups, um, it's a little cartoonish. It is a Disney cartoon, after all. It's an animated series, but it really does help fill in some details and bridge the gap. Um, and it really, really makes you see how bad a guy, uh, how, how bad of a guy Tarkin, a Grand Moff Tarkin, was. Like he just yeah. seems like this kind of curtly British guy. In the in the first movie, but they really make him a villain. Uh, with which I mean, then you think back. Well, he was the guy who blew up that planet, just kind of on a whim. He was—he must have been like a bad guy the whole time, huh? And some of the the mythology that they're building for Star Wars in this show, um, it's not just just for kids. So uh, that's a good series. If if you're a Star Wars yeah. fan, and you're looking for a little more Star Wars, that's one I'd recommend.
1: Yeah, and actually, Jax and I um, have watched that together. And it's really cool because he's starting to get into Star Wars, which nice. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like we we've now watched um, two of the three originals. We watched um, Star Wars, and then we watched Empire Strikes Back. And when and we watched we've been watching Rebels together. But when he found out that Vader was Luke's father, the look on his face, and he looked at me and he goes, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, isn't that crazy?" He goes, "He's his dad." I was like, "Yeah." He's like no way and I was like yeah dude and he was like that's so crazy like the fact it's not new to us we've known this for the majority of our lives because we saw these movies when we were kids but seeing a little kid not know that and then find that out it was like me being a little kid all over again it was so cool I think at some
0: point in everyone's lives they think you know what what do I want for my future You know, do I want to be married do I want to have a family do I want to have kids you know like what do I want my future to look like and every single time i'm thinking about that i'm like obviously i want to have kids because i need to show them the end of empire strikes back like i need to make more humans to expose this awesomeness too um (laughs) so i mean if there was and if i I don't really need it but if if there is a tiebreaker that would be it as whether or not to have a family or not
1: (laughs) well i don't know if we want to have kids listen baby I've got to show somebody Empire Strikes Back that hasn't seen the ending before. So we have to have kids. You don't understand.
0: That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to, basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this was fun, man. Like, I, love, I, I love talking about our, our likes and dislikes. Um, I think that what we'll do is we'll go ahead and wrap this up for today. Um, it's always fun to do these, these joint ventures together for the old school GGR Pirate Radio. Oh, yeah. But uh, you and I both have our own, our own things going on here. Uh, our own individual shots where we can do. I've normally been doing them in like twenty to thirty minute uh, bite sized chunks. Same here. Um, but there's really nothing quite like going back to the old days, right?
0: Oh no! I mean, if you if you want to get uh, you know me and Mike's take on any one topic for an hour or so, there's no better place to do it than right here.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I think that's gonna do it for us today. Uh, signing off for GGR. Uh, oh, wait, we've got a new way to do this. This is now the GGR Pirate Radio Network. Signing off for the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. His name is Steve Monic. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Latro. This
0: has been a GGR Pirate Radio Network production. Woohoo!